God bless you. May be seated. Anyone not started their Christmas shopping yet? Raise your hand if you haven't had the time to start or buy one present. Come on. I don't know if you saw on the news uh, yesterday uh, the, uh, this lady who has had all year to buy Christmas presents. She's been buying Christmas presents for her three children, aged 11, 9, and 3 months. And, uh, and uh, she, she has now accumulated over 300 gifts. And, and we have a photo here of, of her living room right now. And uh, you, how, how amazing is that for 300 presents? And uh, I, don't know, I don't know if, you, if anyone could handle 300 presents in one day. But uh, wow. And you see the, the tree there sort of swamped and overwhelmed, right? Here's a question I'd love for you to respond to. How many of you have, had, have someone in your life that is really difficult to buy presents for? Because either they're really choosy or they seem already to have everything, right? You know, it's such a dilemma. What can I get them? And will they like it when I get, when I get it for them? The truth is my wife down here thinks I'm very hard to buy for. Because over the years, the older you don't need all that stuff, you know. You sort of give it away and get rid of it. But I've narrowed my preferences down to two things. Uh, to either something to do with golf or something to do with snowboarding. And uh, I didn't want to make it hard for her this year, uh, so I already went out and bought my own gift from her to me. <laughs> and, uh, and thank you, darling. I, I bought it along today because I'd like to see what it is, and, and, uh, <laughs> and, and I thought I'd open it today and say Merry Christmas to me, and uh, I'm excited to see what I... I sort of feel like Mr. Bean, who writes his own Christmas cards to himself and posts, mails them and then opens them on Christmas... Oh, darling, thank you. Oh, what is it? Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, wow. Oh, look at that. Does anyone know what that is? It's a golf range finder so I can see how far the pin is when I hit it. Oh, my. Let's give her a hand. Thank you for buying me such a wonderful gift. Oh, yeah. Really appreciate that. Ah, what are you hoping for for Christmas? What are you hoping for for Christmas? Here's a question I'd like to ask you, and I want to ask you to think about this. Just what is Christmas all about? What is Christmas all about? Most people understand that it's the birthday of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And if it's His birthday then it's only right that we celebrate Him, right? Now, imagine for a moment, it's your birthday today. And you've put on this huge big party. And instead of everybody bringing gifts and celebrating you, all of those who come give gifts to each other and celebrate one another, and they give nothing to you and don't even acknowledge you. I sort of believe that our Heavenly Father's greatest desire is that each of us take an opportunity this season to bring a gift of honor and celebration to the one whose birthday it is. Can I hear a loud amen? amen. I'm sort of asking you today, what sort of gift could you bring Jesus, the Son of God? I mean, He owns everything anyway, right? Right? What could you bring him? He owns everything. 
What could you give to him that would be meaningful and valued? You know, I believe the one gift that you alone can bring to him, the one gift that you alone can bring and give to him is your worship. Think about it. The one gift that you alone can give to him is your worship. Your love, your adoration is the one gift that Jesus desires from you and desires from me. And maybe it's the one gift that he's never received from you. You know, Christmas time 2,000 years ago, there were some very important people who traveled a super long distance to make sure they gave to Jesus that very one thing, their worship. In Matthew chapter 2, we pick up the story. Have a look at this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. They came to do what? They came to do what? Say it aloud. You know, tradition says that these, these wise men were kings. Not only were they royalty, but they were kings in their field of expertise. Fact is, they were some of the greatest minds of their day. They were a scientist, they were astronomers, and they were avid researchers. Isn't that amazing? Kings coming to worship the king of kings. And maybe today you are at the top of your field, or you're getting there to the top of your field. But here you are today, acknowledging that there is someone who is far greater. His name is Jesus. Now these wise men traveled a very long distance through across many nations through hostile uh, terrain and, and, and very hostile tribes to do this one thing, to bring their gift of worship, not only to the king, but to the savior and the Lord of the world. And they came, like we've come today, to revere him, to worship him. And typically in our culture, when we think about worship, we think that worship is actually singing some songs to God. But the biblical definition of worship is so differently more than that. You know what worship is? This is my definition. Worship is first, wow. Then worship becomes, oh. Then worship becomes, yes. That is worship. It comes from the heart. The actual word is proskuno, to bow our knee, to bow down in honor of, to prostrate ourselves in reverence, in deference, in adoration and worship. And the, these very insightful wise men, the, some of the wealthiest and the wisest men of their time, they came to Jesus and they bowed their knee, and they bowed their heart, and they prostrated themselves in worship, in adoration of Jesus. And chances are, in this very, very busy season, you may not have found a lot of time, actually, you may not have found any time at all to pause and give honor and worship to the one alone who is worthy 
of all our worship. Yet you are here today. And perhaps there's no better time and no better place than in this worship experience to consider, again, the star of wonder and turn our wonder of him and turn the wonder of our season, this wonderful season, into true worship of him. Can I hear a hand clap for the Lord today? Let's give him a hand clap of worship. We want to turn our worship toward the one who is the reason for this season. And I believe I can help you today to do this by really worshiping from your heart, by giving you three wonderful reasons and three wonderful ways to worship Jesus. And here's the first way. Here's the first way that you can easily turn your wonder into worship. We can firstly worship Jesus, to worship him for who he is. Say out loud with me, for who he is. Yeah. Matthew picks up the story again and says, She will bring a son to birth, and you will name him Jesus, God saves, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, we're, listen, friends, we're worshiping for who he is. He is a savior. Everyone say he's a savior. <laughs> so the Lord's promise came true. Just as the prophet had said, a virgin will have a baby boy and he will be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. You know, to many people in that day, the thought of God being with them was incomprehensible. You know, since Adam's rebellion back at the beginning of mankind in the Garden of Eden, mankind became tainted with sin. He became less than holy. And no one since that time could ever handle the brightness of his holiness and the awesomeness of God's presence. And it seems like they were safer to worship him or acknowledge him from a distance. And since that time... All of mankind has found it easier to look at God from a distance. And he doesn't seem, they don't seem to recognize that Jesus has come to be God with us. And we look at him and worship him from a distance. We, we hide behind our traditions and our rituals and our icons and our bells and our smells. And I still think we do that today. We put up a tree. We sing a carol. We look at an, at an nativity scene in someone's front yard and say, oh, isn't that nice? But yet, there's always been a cry deep within our hearts for us to know God and for God to be truly with us, to be, to be present with us. Now, maybe you have good things all around you, wonderful things all around you, but you don't have God with you, God with us. And I know that there's a longing in many of our lives and a desperation that's unfulfilled to really know God. For you, God with us seems a long way off. You know, there was, this, there was an account just a few, uh, some years ago about a submarine that was just coming to the surface and a ship come and collided with that submarine. And the submarine sank and went to the bottom of the ocean. And the entire crew was trapped inside that submarine. Now, many boats rushed to that disaster, but no one really knew what the submarine crew was really going through in those hours underneath the water. And, and all those men in that submarine 
held on bravely to the little bit of oxygen that was slipping away. And uh, there was, uh, even though there was many people that came to that place, only one had the courage, one diver had the courage to swim all the way down in their special suit and put his ear to the side of the submarine and listen. And that diver heard some tapping noises. Someone was tapping out a message in Morse code. Is there any hope? The message was a question. Is there any hope? Friends, I know that that's the cry of all humanity. Is there any hope? And I want to say to you today, yes, there is hope because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He is no longer distant. He has come to rescue us and to love us because in Jesus Christ, God is with us. A God who cares for us. A God who understands us. A God who loves us. A God who has come to you to be with you. And it's through Jesus that God stooped to become human, that we might see him. You say you've never seen God. 2,000 years ago, they saw God for 33 years. Jesus. That they may know him and experience him. And in response to that, worship him. Today, you can worship him for who he is. Everyone say, I'm going to worship him for who he is. That's right. Why? Because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Let's turn our wonder into worship today and worship him for who he is. Here's the second very easy way for you to turn your wonder into worship. To not only worship him for who he is, but to worship him for what he's done. Today you can worship him for what he's done. Let this verse give you a glimpse of what he's done. God saved us and chose us. Hey, get, get that. God saved you and he's chosen you to be his people. We did nothing to deserve this, but God planned it because he's so kind. Even before time began, God planned for Christ to show up and show kindness to us. Now Christ Jesus has come to show us the kindness of God. Christ our Savior defeated death. In other words, he defeated the power of the grave to hold us eternally. And he gave us access to live with him forever. And he brought us the good news that we can have a rich and full life. And that shines like a light and offers us a life that never ends. You know, this Christmas, you and I can give him the one gift that we alone can give him, that he desires so much. And today we can worship him, not only for who he is, but we can worship him for what he has done. You may say, look, I can understand it. Some of you may say, what has he done for me? What has God done for me? What has Jesus done for me? He's done nothing for me. Maybe you say that because, you've either, because either you don't know him or you've resisted all that he wants to give you and all that he's done for you. I tell you, friends, God has done more for you than you could ever imagine. Maybe you've been preoccupied with making a good life just under your own steam. You, you've been seeking for worship that wealth and success and comfort and privilege and, and approval can bring. Yet the only one that can give us much more than that 
has been pushed into the background of our thinking, pushed into the background of our, of our life and our consideration. Yet all the time, Jesus has been there. All the time. He's been seeking you. He's been watching over you. He's been protecting you. He's been making a way for you. He's been showering favor and compassion and kindness upon you. Maybe you know Jesus about Jesus in your head, but you have never yet received him in your heart. Yet today he's stepping toward you in friendship. Today he wants to save you from your sins. Today he wants to show you his grace and mercy. And today he wants to give you a vision and a purpose and a hope in life. And you just haven't realized that yet. And maybe you haven't received that yet. But today you can receive him, not just for who he is, but for what he has done. And maybe you can receive him the same way that I received him many years, many years ago when he showed himself to me. I responded to that step he took toward me. And when he, he, he showed me his unconditional love, and I was overwhelmed by that. And he radically changed me, and he empowered me to make a difference, and actually gave me the power to stop self-destructing. <laughs> he, he, he's healed me physically, emotionally. He's healed me financially. He's put positive influences around my life. He's given me a holistic sense of self-worth. He gave me a pur purpose, and he gave me a roadmap uh, uh, to guide me the way to get through to my life and make a difference. Jesus took a person who was weak and fearful and made me overcoming and strong. He took a person who was caught up in all sorts of sins and he made me victorious. He forgave me and he cleansed me from stuff I wouldn't even want you to know about. And that's what he wants to do for you today. And when you know him like that, you can't help but turn your wonder into worship. We're going to worship him. Can we give him one more hand clap of praise today? He deserves our gift of worship. Worshiping him for who he is. Secondly, worshiping for what he's done. But there's one more way we can worship him today. And that's to worship him for what he will do. Someone say, for what he will do. Now, I want you to think about this because these wise men, these scientists, these kings, they traveled miles and miles to worship this little child who to this point had done absolutely nothing. But they were doing exactly what some of you will do today. You will worship him not just for what he's done, but you will worship him for what he will do in your life. Because you're going to face circumstances that, you, that will be so hard for you and difficult for you. And you will call upon the name of the Lord. And the Lord will do for you more than you ask, can ask or imagine. And he'll bring you through and give you hope and give you a purpose and be there for you. We today are going to worship him for what he will do. Maybe you're not sure you could ever have a good future. Maybe you're not sure you could ever have a good marriage. Maybe you're not sure... You could ever have a good health outcome. Maybe you're not sure you could ever enjoy amazing friends or ever stop feeling lonely. Maybe you're not sure you could ever break free from the wrong choices of the past or break free from an addiction 
or depression. Yet today you can worship him like those wise men worshipped him. Not for what he's done, but for what he can do and what he will do. And how he's going to bring us freedom. The Bible says, all glory to God, who is able to do anything for us. For his power is at work in us. And it can do far more than we ask or imagine. Everyone say, he can do far more. And you can worship him today, trusting that he will do for you what he is so able to do. Because the Bible says he has good plans for you. Plans to bless you, not to harm you, to give you a hope in the future. You know, in my family, when we were growing up, you can imagine me as a little kid, you know, growing up and sitting around the dinner table. And, and uh, we weren't that well off. We were actually quite poor. And we only had, you know, we had limited silverware and and, and um, dishware and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, it, when it came time for mom to clear the table, uh, the pl- all the plates and the silverware after we'd eaten dinner, eaten our meal, sometimes she would lean over to us and say, keep the fork. Keep the fork. That was code for the best is yet to come. You've enjoyed the roasted chicken. You've enjoyed the roasted vegetables. But I've been slaving all day over that caramel creamed rice. Keep your fork. The best is yet to come. And I want to tell you that we can worship the Lord Jesus Christ because the best is yet to come. We can worship him, not just because of what he's done or who he is, but for what he will do in our lives. Someone say, the best is yet to come. I want you to hang on to your fork today. I want you to hang on to your fork, and I want you to join me in worshiping him as we get ready to sing this carol. Would you stand with me today? I want to invite you to stand with me. Say out loud one more time, the best is yet to come. Say it one more time. Come on. And we're going to worship him because the best is yet to come. You know, what is that one gift? What is the gift that only you can give to Jesus on his birthday? It's your worship. It's your love. Perhaps today it's your choice. The gift that you can bring him is your choice of him to be your savior, your Lord, your king. Today we can worship Him for who He is. Today we can worship Him for what He's done. And today we can worship Him for what He will do. One last thought I want to leave with you. In view of who Christ is, in view of what He has done, in view of what He will do, I bring Him again. I am that. the one thing that you and I can bring the star today. Let the star of wonder become your star of worship.